Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's a Thursday here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. And of course, that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your man, Tom Ryle, and your boy, Roy White, at RW3 on Twitter. You can follow him at Tom Ryle, BTB, on the Twitter sphere. And of course, you can follow all of our great content at bloggingtheboys.com or at bloggingtheboys on the Twitter sphere. Also, subscribe to that YouTube channel to get all that great content. More exciting news for the Dallas Cowboys is they are starting to get some more pieces back, and we'll get into that in just a second. What's going on with the coaching carousel? We've got things to talk about on that front as well, but we kind of need to start the pod with a sad note, Tom, as a true legend of the sport, really the identity in some ways of the NFL passed away this week. John Madden passing away at the age of 85. What a sad story. Well, yeah, it's it's sad to lose him, but he certainly lived a very rich and full life. And, and the thing is, he was so important to the popularity of football. Um, I remember him as a coach back when I was first getting interested in professional football. And then I think of myself as maturing in my fandom from watching him and and Pat Summerall, especially uh, because he was so educational and did it so effortlessly. You just learn stuff without even realizing it from him. And then we have another entire generation that just knows him as the face of football video gaming through, through the Madden franchise on EA Sports. And you know, his impact is probably bigger than any single individual that I've seen in my lifetime, and I just, you know, was reflecting that he got got to go out in a, a way that most people don't, in that they showed him the completed all Madden documentary before he passed away, and he apparently loved it. And it's like getting to sit in your funeral and hear the eulogy. And I think that was a, a wonderful thing for him and very deserving. He will be missed. Well, and for those that missed what Tom is referring to, ESPN Plus has that special available, and Fox will actually be airing a broadcast of that special tonight, Thursday night. No Thursday night football this week, I believe. Uh, We're to the end of that, right? So no Thursday night football, a great opportunity to catch up on some football if you're a John Madden fan or in general a football fan. It's funny you – mentioned that you know your maturity kind of began as a broadcaster because my infancy was really as John Madden the broadcaster and he introduced so many of my generation to the sport of football with his John Madden video games in addition to his incredible commentary as a broadcaster so so many great things that John Madden brought to the game of football a true pioneer of it and yeah Uh, tribute to that man who really has made the game so interesting for so many of us uh, and across generations of football fans. So salute to John Madden. Uh, Thank him for everything he did for us. With that being said, we got to thank the Dallas Cowboys for making us feel good with what they did to the Washington football game on Sunday. Now you and I saw this coming, Tom, both Both of us agreed that they were going to blow out the football team in the first half and it would be a cruise line the rest of the way as it was the first time they met. But none of us could have anticipated 42 points, 21 apiece in each of the first two quarters. The first time the Dallas Cowboys as an organization had ever done that. And Dak Prescott orchestrates five 
touchdown drives in the first half of 74 yards or more as he looked unstoppable and gave really us exactly what we needed to see to feel good about this offense going forward against now what may be the premier matchup or although doesn't look like quite the premier matchup that it was several weeks ago, the premier matchup of the Cowboys probably last third of the season. Yeah. Uh, And the great thing about the matchup against the football team was that I think every single question people still had about the offense got answered. You mentioned the long drives. Uh, you mentioned the scoring. Uh, you know, they the about the only thing they didn't do was score on the opening possession. And had they not uh, kind of bobbled that little trick play that they tried with the lateral to Amari Cooper, they might have scored a touchdown on the opening position. So you have to feel good about the offense. We were already feeling great about the defense. And how much better can you feel when on the first play from scrimmage uh, for the football team, Trayvon Diggs grabs a pick, which to me was the point at which the game was over because it was just like you could – you felt almost like it deflated the football team and they just laid over at that point, and got steam steamrolled, excuse me. So yeah, it was, it was a great thing. And then to see D law get that incredibly athletic touchdown. Uh, yeah. It, it just everything and special teams had to get in on the act too at the end. So all three phases, complimentary football, what more do you want and what a perfect time to be doing it. Jason Garrett's wet dream, what the Cowboys produced on Sunday. But as you said, you know, what a time to be doing it because we kind of wanted to feel this before we had to face off against a team that looked like they were going to be a true contender in the NFC. Now, quite frankly, the Arizona Cardinals look a little bit like an afterthought, perhaps maybe an overlooked team because their quarterback is extremely dangerous. Before we get into that matchup, though, we do need to touch on kind of the news of the week. First and foremost, the Cowboys activated a pair of players off of their COVID list, the most important of which being Tristan Hill. So another player they add to that stellar defensive line rotation that has already seen Demarcus Lawrence come back to full health, looks as fresh as maybe he ever has, quite honestly. Randy Gregory, Blasting full steam ahead. Micah Parsons shows no signs of slowing down. Neville Gallimore made a couple of nice plays in this game as I kind of highlighted him as, as one of my keys to the Cowboys' success here in the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, you get to add a guy in Tristan Hill who, quite honestly, was on his way up before injuries kind of knocked him out last season and have had him on the mend since then. So exciting to see him finally back in the fold. Um, the other news of the week Dan Quinn apparently was requested by the Jacksonville Jaguars to be interviewed. He has denied that request. Now you had a quick stipulation. You wanted Cowboys fans to keep in mind about that denial as to how it's being reported versus how it's actually being handled. Yeah. He didn't say no to them about the job. He said, not right now. I got things I got to focus on because he's, you know, the defensive coordinator for a team that right now could be the hottest team going into the playoffs. And he really would like, I believe, to ride this all the way to the Super Bowl, not just because he would love to earn the ring as the defensive coordinator, but would that not give him some leverage on demands if he does decide he wants to return to the head coaching ranks? So, yeah, I think this is just a matter of priorities and timing. And that's not, not only might he return to that, as several people have mentioned, and you were, you mentioned one of the teams, there also is a chance there may be vacancies in Seattle and in Chicago, both of which I submit I think he would much prefer to going to that raging dumpster conflagration that's going on in Jacksonville. Um, You know, he's got agreed. Absolutely agreed. And that's, I think the important part. It's not that Dan Quinn is stiff arming every coaching opportunity, but he's certainly stiff arming what looks like one of the worst ones that is potentially going to be available. 
No one should blame him for that, but we also shouldn't kid ourselves in thinking that Dan Quinn's job as the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys in 2022 is what our expectations should be. In fact, I fully expect that either one of Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn will not be here in 2022. I think the odds are good that one of them will not be here. I think they're somewhat solid in addition to that, that they both might not be here. But yeah, that's a conversation for down the road, at least for now. Dan Quinn giving the Jacksonville Jaguars the stiff arm. Now, some fans have suggested, and they suggested this to you during your YouTube taping there on Tuesday on the Blogging the Boys Roundtable that we do every Tuesday, talking about the latest news around the star. Some fans suggesting to you, Tom, that, hey, here's an easy way to keep Dan Quinn in the fold. You just get rid of the head coach you have, and you name him the head coach, and you wrote an article illustrating why you think that is a poor way to think about how Mike McCarthy has handled this team in 2021. Yeah, it's it. it and I'm going to kind of cite something that I actually had later in the article, but I had the privilege of heading, heading out to Oxnard and sitting through three of the practices. And if you sat and watched the Cowboys in training camp, there was no question in your mind who the head coach was and how firmly the reins of that team were in his hand. That man was large and in charge out there. He planned out the practices, as was reported. He sets how the, the whole script, what they're going to do. He directs the timing, and if there was something that needed to be redone, he would be in there telling it. And as I said, when he spoke, every ear on the practice field was listening. Uh, he has that team and and that's just part of the whole thing dan just because dan quinn isn't calling plays during the game just because some people get unhappy about his clock management in the last few seconds of a first half when the team is already up by multiple scores that doesn't mean he's not doing a really strong job he has built the Cowboys to what they are. And it, it, it was through a variety of ways. Um, first off, he, the staff answers to him. He is, what we don't see is what goes on in the six days between games in a normal week. That's really when football games are won and lost by most teams is in their preparation and being ready for the, the opponent and being able to counter what they have and also to present them with a challenge that's greater than what they're coming back at you with. And Quinn is, I mean, McCarthy is really in that. He's probably a bit more involved with the offensive side of the, uh, the team because that's his background. But you can be sure that he's also sitting down with Dan Quinn and John Fossil and getting a coherent overall strategy for the Cowboys. The preparation element is, I think, very important. I credit him a lot with this, this culture the team has got. Now, Dan Quinn probably came in and added a lot of spice to things because he's a very enthusiastic guy, and you can kind of see that bleeding over. But this overall unity the team has, the tightness they have uh, – it wasn't the Dallas sidelines where we saw punches being thrown between players during the Washington game. Uh, and, of course, it helps when you're winning. If you're on a, you know, about to wrap, wrap up a four-game winning streak, there's not a whole lot of reason for people to be getting cranky with one another, although there was a, a pretty intense argument about who would get credit for the uh, touchdown scored by the special teams because there's a little – bet going on yeah. between who between who's going to do more, whether the uh, offense is going to get more touchdowns or the defense is going to get more takeaways. So, uh, you know, that was kind of amusing in the sounds from the sidelines. And by the way, if you don't watch those, you've got to track those down. They're hilarious. Yeah. At Dallas uh, Cowboys on Twitter, released the video Wednesday afternoon-ish. Uh, and it's fantastic. Yeah. If you haven't seen what yeah. Tom's referencing, make sure you go check that out on the Dallas Cowboys Twitter page. Yeah, and so it's – I just think McCarthy is being disrespected. And he you – know, 
a lot of people say, oh, but look at the foul up he had with Mike Nolan. Well, okay. First off, 2020 was a general disaster. Nolan was one clear mistake he made, but a lot of the other things that happened weren't really his fault. Uh, you know, he didn't come in and, and willingly give up the entire offseason and a lot of the uh, you know, uh, preseason stuff and limitations in training camp. That was just something he had to deal with. He certainly wasn't signing up for the injuries to Dak Prescott and so many other players that wound up, you know, hamstringing the team, if you'll pardon a bit of a pun. Mm. Uh, you know, Leo Collins was out the entire season, you know, and you had so many others. Uh, everybody except Connor Williams uh, actually missed part of last year. And so everyone tries to point to 2020 as a disaster. Well, okay. Look at the turnaround. And in the case of Mike Nolan, he was very decisive and quick to take the step of saying, okay, Mike, it didn't work out. Nolan may have gotten a little bit more of the blame, although he certainly deserved a lot of it. Still, it was a necessary step. And Ben McCarthy went out and brought in Dan Quinn. And I remember a lot of people were skeptical about that. They felt that the way the defense in Atlanta had fallen off under the last few years under Quinn was a bad sign. And what we found out is that, no, it wasn't. And Quinn seems to be, like McCarthy, being more flexible in his approach. Some of the ways he's coaching don't seem to be consistent with the way he's always done it. Uh, And in particular, he seems to be doing a marvelous job of suiting what his talent can do to what he's trying to do with them. He's matching them, putting them in a position to succeed. And, you know, it's been marvelous. It certainly helps when you can look out there and see Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, and some of the other people lined up out there. Yeah, that gives you an advantage. But as I said, we've seen multiple examples when the Cowboys squandered very talented rosters and didn't do anything. Uh, You can look at 2009, 2014, 2016. Some will maybe even mention 2019. That's just not happening right now, especially now that they turned the corner with the offense. And McCarthy deserves credit for this. Everyone wants to blame him when something goes wrong. Um, and, and this is, you know, it's kind of a tendency you see everywhere, you know, you get the blame when it goes wrong and none of the credit when it goes right. But with McCarthy, it seems to be carried to a bit of an extreme. And I think if the Cowboys, any success they have, he needs to get credit for, uh, we can't predict what's going to happen in the, the playoffs. We'll try, but you know, we don't know. And so I just want to say that getting them to this point being one of the clear powers in the NFL again, that's, that's McCarthy. He is a strong influence on all of that. And I just wanted to stand up for him and, and, and tell people back off a little bit, appreciate what you've got. Remember all the years of frustration under Jason Garrett before him, Wade Phillips. Yeah. But I'm glad you mentioned that, Tom, because that, I think, is the key to why Cowboys fans feel the way that they do. It's a little bit similar in the way we reacted to the Micah Parsons pick during the draft. It wasn't as much about Micah Parsons, the player, because most people had no idea who he was. He didn't play in 2020 at all, so we didn't really have game tape on him unless you were willing to go look at years past. And even then, you were somewhat projecting. But the feelings that people had about Micah Parsons really were a reflection of how they felt about how the Cowboys had performed taking linebackers with high draft picks in the first and second rounds. Similarly with Mike McCarthy, I think a lot of the criticism that he receives goes back to the feelings that we had about Jason Garrett and about Wade Phillips when they were given an opportunity to effectively affect change on the field they weren't able to do so whether it be through calling you know managing timeouts managing the clock 
or whether it meant, you know, in Garrett's case, I think the common issue with Garrett was that he was unwilling to change his approach, right? Whether it was offensively or defensively, he would often bang his head against the wall. Well, Mike McCarthy has done none of those things. He's given Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore the freedom to be able to make the decisions to necessary to mold and shape their offensive and defensive units. And while I have been critical of Mike McCarthy at times, and I will continue to be if he makes mistakes from a coaching standpoint that I feel like could be managed overall, right? His overall grade, I would give him an A minus, um, perhaps not an A plus, but I would give him an A minus. And I do think that league wide, he's being disrespected. Because when I look at the NFL coach of the year betting odds, would you care to guess where Mike McCarthy ranks on that list? According to Nevada. I'm guessing somewhere on fourth or fifth. He is actually seventh behind the favorite in Matt LaFleur, who's plus 175. Again, these plus numbers mean you bet 100, you win 175. He's plus 175. Frank Reich of Indianapolis, plus 300. Belichick, of course, plus 600. Zach Taylor, plus 700, who I actually think should be probably getting more attention because that's a team that came from dirt to now leading their division. But similar to the Cowboys, right, who were 6-10 and 10 a year ago, you would think a team that was 6-10 and 10 a year ago would be getting a lot more credit I still go on. Zach Taylor, plus 700. Mike Vrabel, Tennessee, plus 1,200. They've had a ton of injuries. Sean McVay, plus 1,500. I can't imagine he was in that position two weeks ago when they weren't in first place in his division. So I think he's getting a little bit of whiz kid hype there. And then Mike McCarthy at plus 2,500. So if you bet $100 on Mike McCarthy to win the Coach of the Year award with two weeks to go and his team in second place in the NFC – having improved on their record already a season ago by five wins, you would win $2,500 if you bet a hundred on that. To me, either that's incredible value or he is being massively overlooked in the coach of the year candidacy. And I think it's the latter. Well, I think, I think it's actually both. I do think it's incredible value, although I'm not necessarily sure I could see him winning it unless they leapfrog the Packers to take the one seed in the NFC. Yeah, and I, I think he's going to just suffer from the fact that he's the coach of the Cowboys. And he's got what is arguably the most talented roster and arguably the best set of coordinators in the league. And people, as I said, don't give him credit for the role he's played in building that roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just as he's trusted the assistant, the, the coordinators and the assistants, he has trusted uh, Will McClay to go out and get him. And, and the Cowboys have had some incredible uh, players in the last couple of years. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to win it. I think he deserves higher consideration. Does he deserve to be coach of the year? I can see that there's a, a better argument to be made for a couple of those others who've probably done more with less in, in, a, in a sense. But yeah, I would like to see him getting more respect. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N. 
Twenty-nine.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Well... I'm sure he's perfectly fine with flying under the radar. He's kind of talked about that. You know, it'd be nice if they make a splash here and there, but for him, he's more than happy to not get the recognition and let that recognition go to the likes of Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn and John Fossil, who have all been getting, you know, equal attention for the performances that they put on and certainly for the performance that they put on last week. So let's look forward. We're taking on the Arizona Cardinals this week, and I had a specific question that I texted you about regarding Kyler Murray. Where do you rank Kyler Murray in terms of fear factor amongst NFC quarterback opponents, right? Because while the Arizona Cardinals do not look very formidable at this point of the season, right? They were once running away with the, NF- with the NFC lead. They were the one seed not five weeks ago. And now they find themselves not even leading their own division. But I still think, as Micah Parsons described, Kyler Murray is a cheetah. And while he's not sure if a lion can catch a cheetah, he certainly feels like a a group of lions could do that. Now, it's going to be tough to nickname them the Pride of Dallas, which I'm calling right now should be their nickname. The Pride of Dallas sounds awesome. And it's a lion thing, you know, for those that don't get it. Um, but it's also kind of been taken by Detroit. They're just squandering it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, maybe, but um, they're all like kittens up there in Detroit. So there aren't any lions on that team. The problem is Michael won't allow any of his team to be lions. Uh, he wants to hunt with a pack of lions, but then he refuses to call any of them lions. Trayvon Diggs is an eagle. What other animals might we have? on the Cowboys defense, do you think? We're going to circle back to the Murray question because you kind of never let Boy, me I did. That. See, this is what we were talking <laughs> about in the pre-show where, like, we see a crossroad, we meander, and thanks to our steady co-hosts like yourself, you get me right back to the original point. Yes, let's start with Kyler Murray. Where does he rank in the fear factor conversation amongst quarterback opponents in the NFC for you? In the NFC, you you have to put Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady ahead of. I think those are clearly the two quarterbacks that you most worry about coming out and finding a way to beat your team. Uh, especially Aaron Rodgers just has has multiple times carried Green Bay with just stupid good throws as in when I say stupid good as in throws he has no business making yet he makes a pinpoint pass underdressed uh you know Brady's just as cunning as they come and knows how to to exploit weaknesses about as well as anybody so those two are are the top two I kind of have Murray on a bit of a tier with Matt with Matthew Stafford with um Murray has a bit of an advantage because he is so elusive. He adds that element in the running game. Uh, But then I think Stafford is not as likely to be mistake prone as Murray. So they're about equal. And I maybe give Murray just a little bit of an edge there. Uh, And you'll notice that we're talking about quarterbacks, all of whom are leading their teams into the playoffs at this point because those happen to be the four quarterbacks for the other teams that have locked up at least a playoff position in the NFC. So that kind of makes sense. The NFL basically lives and dies on the quality of quarterbacking in the mo- for the most part. So it kind of makes sense. And so that's where I see Murray. Um, I do kind of agree with, uh, with Parsons in the fact that he's not facing one guy Uh, that he has to worry about coming at him. He's not facing two guys. He's really facing three with 
every now and then throwing in somebody blitzing extra or coming from an unexpected direction. So I think they will corral him. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, they, they really don't have the kind of receivers that the Cowboys are going to be throwing against them. Yeah, they so, missed DeAndre Hopkins bad, and it's shown the last several weeks. Yeah, and uh, and it's just for whatever reason, since uh, Cliff Kingsbury got to uh, Arizona, they just slump after midseason. You know, they start off gangbusters and then just kind of lose their way. And I think in this case, the Hopkins loss was kind of the catalyst for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not really, I'd say, afraid of him. I think the Cowboys are going to handle the Cardinals quite well, and I think we'll get to discuss that towards the end, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think I put him there. I mean, just as an individual talent, I think I actually do fear him more than Brady just because of what the Cowboys have. And I think the Cowboys have, at this point of the season, you know, knock on wood, I think they have the weapons to kind of neutralize Brady because if you can collapse the pocket on Tom Brady, he historically struggles. He will make mistakes and he can't get out of the pocket to get away from a Neville Gallimore busting up the middle, right? Or a Randy or a tank collapsing the pocket and not allowing him to get out and throw. Kyler has that ability right? That escape ability where you can have him in your clutches and he can still get away and make a play happen. Now, maybe that means also, you know, because of his shorter stature, he's looking down the field, trying to make bigger plays than he perhaps needs to be. So as he matures, maybe he becomes a much more dangerous quarterback than he appears to be. But for me, I think I kind of put him right there behind Rogers. Actually, I, I think I would put him ahead of Tom in terms of how I fear him as an individual but again, with what the Cowboys can bring to the table, I don't exactly fear the Arizona Cardinals, and I do kind of expect the Cowboys to to take this one um, to take this one over the weekend. And we'll get into that here in just a bit. Uh, the animals conversation, as I jokingly stated, Micah Parsons kind of deciding who the animals are going to be, basically saying to uh, to the reporters on Wednesday that you know, hey, I'm a I'm a lion. And uh, I'm watching Animal Planet right now to kind of determine who else gets to be what. Trayvon Diggs, I've dubbed him an eagle because he's got the air and I'm covering the ground. And then everybody else, I guess, is waiting to be dubbed their spirit animal. And yeah, he, 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 he mentioned somebody is a jaguar and it just occurred he to me. He did. I he said think. Donovan Wilson, I believe it yeah. was. He told he yeah. could be a jaguar because he – grabs animals out of the water. I yeah, that jaguar, jaguars will drag an alligator to the to right. shoreline. I and have seen it. that tremendous video of that yeah. jaguar and dragging so, yeah, an he, alligator out. So that was a good one. And yeah, some you asked video me references to what I'd say about some of the others. And I do have a few. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Hit me if with people, it. You people want to argue with it, you know, you know where to find me on Twitter. You can tell me I'm wrong. I think of Demarcus Lawrence as a rhino. Uh, because he can just overpower you, run you down. But if you've ever seen a rhino moving, you're stunned at how agile that big beast can be because they can also cut on a, in a heartbeat and, and they are fast. They can run, run you down easily. And that's kind of how I see Lawrence, a lot of power as well as some speed and ability to move. Um, Gallimore, I think, is kind of a like a bull elephant right now. He is turning into a big force in the middle of the line. So I was feeling more like a hippo. Hippos are more aggressive than you think they are, and they move yeah. better and faster than you think they do, especially in traffic. Underwater, yeah. typically for hippos, but for Gallimore, his hands are so quick and his power is so, you know, is so available, right? Is so noticeable that uh that I actually kind of had him as a hippo. So I agree with you. They're bull elephant hippo. I think those are in the same relative category. Um, and sorry, we're not calling the man fat, but by God, yeah. those are, those are large sized animals. But he's big. He's, he's a big boy. one of the biggest people they've got right now outside of 
Bohanna, who actually might be a hippo category at some point, although he's still developing. Um, I think of Gregory as kind of like a grizzly bear, you know, again, power, speed, ferocity. Uh, you know, he gets his paws on you and it's, it's kind of all over. So that was kind of how I see him fitting in. Uh, he's, he's not quite as strong, I believe, as, as Lawrence, but you still don't want him bearing down on you unopposed because it can be trouble. He's the um, revenant grizzly bear when he's coming after you, but he's the teddy grizzly bear when he's lying on the ground after missing you for a sack. <laughs> Right. He's Mr. Lovable going to have a nice conversation with you here. Have some honey. I'll see you next play. Can you believe that he had the, 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 the thought at the moment to recreate that moment? The barrel roll roll into position was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, 10 out of 10 for agility. It was there. It was absolutely, it was absolutely great. Um, it kind of a, just a throwaway is the fact that uh, Leighton Van Der Esch can be the wolf out there. He's playing better. Uh, I don't know that the Cowboys are going to try to bring him back. I actually kind of suspect they won't, but, you know, yeah. we can go ahead and give that to him kind of in well, reference they might. to his. I mean, we don't know what the future holds for Jabril Cox, who is kind of supposed yeah. to be the, the next man up. And obviously he's been out with injuries all season. So yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a done deal. I would have thought at the beginning of the season, Leighton Van Der Esch was for sure gone. Now I could almost see them coming to terms on a deal that works for both parties, right? Maybe they don't overpay him because he's not been spectacular and maybe he's comfortable with taking a little bit less to be a part of a unit that appears on the rise. Yeah. Um, incidentally, a side note, the Cowboys did sign a player his first name is Deontay, and I can't remember his last. They signed a linebacker to the practice squad because they're they've only got four healthy linebackers with outside of him right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a little bit of news. I just wish I'd thought to grab his name beforehand. But uh, outside of that, the only other one I I thought of a couple people. One of which I just haven't come up with anything for. Anthony Brown, I think he's just a workhorse out there. He's not getting the glory because the eagle is out there swooping in and grabbing balls all the time. But Brown has been very underappreciated. He has been very solid at cornerback. He showed that in a pinch, he can kick inside and play the slot uh, while they were missing Jordan Lewis uh, due to his one week being out. Um, And so I just, He's a guy that's very needed, plays a vital role, but just nobody really thinks of him as flashy or great. He's just out there getting the job done. And the other guy I wish I could come up with something for is Jaron Curson. I just don't know what to do. You know, you, you almost need something that's stealthy and under the radar that is just – that'll hit you. I, I kind of got one. Um, unassuming, right? A mongoose. Because a mongoose can square up with a snake, who a, mo- a lot of people feel is, you know, one of the scariest animals in the animal kingdom. And a mongoose can take it out, right? Take it down. Unassuming, right? Maybe don't look the part of a dangerous animal, but when push comes to shove, they can do the work that needs to be done. I know maybe that's perhaps not the best one, but again, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter. Give us your animal, spirit animals for the Cowboys defense. I still think the pride of Dallas should be the nickname that we all roll with going forward. Right. Group of lions pride. I mean, what's like, what's better than that. I'm a genius. Give it to me for all, for all time. Um, and our, but Hey, and throw us your nicknames S- as well. I was going to say our SB nation affiliate literally calls itself pride of Detroit. So yeah, I, I mean, copy, that's sad. copyright infringement. Yeah. Sorry to, you know, Sorry to take it from you, but you can you can find something else, right? It fits us better. <laughs> That's the you thing. You lose. It fit, yeah, sorry. You lose. It fits us better, and no one in Detroit is proud of what they're doing, uh, despite their win over the Arizona Cardinals a few weeks ago. The, the last item I wanted to get to, Tom, is kind of a, a look forward. As we kind of project where the Cowboys will be in the playoff race, we, we're still open 
for the number one seed, although we kind of need that one this weekend because it's really tough to imagine the Detroit Lions taking out the Green Bay Packers on the final of the week of the season. Although you know they'll try. Uh, they would be the pride of Dallas if they were able to knock them off in the final week of the season. But for now, we're hanging our hopes on the Minnesota Vikings, who did actually beat the Green Bay Packers and are 3-2-1 and one in their last six visits to Lambeau Field. So they look like they could at least knock off Green Bay and give the Cowboys a chance at the one seed. But for now, I'm assuming the Cowboys will wind up being the two seed. If that is the case, then they will face one of the following five opponents. And, and these are where the odds stand right now. I know it could still be the Rams. They lose two in a row. Arizona wins a couple games. But by and large, these are the five teams that have the best chance to face the Cowboys if the Cowboys wind up with the two seed. Philadelphia, San Francisco, who, by the way, dealing with a quarterback issue in Jimmy Garoppolo, looks like he's going to play this weekend. They don't really need him, perhaps, against the Texans, but they will need him the following week against the Rams. So their playoff hope still somewhat undecided. New Orleans, who right now is the 10th seed, but at 7-8 and eight, could prove to be a formidable opponent for the Cowboys considering how they played them earlier this year. Atlanta, who I would be licking our chops to play against in the first round considering what we did against them a few weeks ago. And then Minnesota, who quite honestly, is quietly making a name for themselves. They've got a solid defense. They have an offense that can move the football, and they have some dynamic weapons on the outside and in the run game in the likes of Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne, and eventually the return of Adam Thielen. So how would you rank those five opponents if you could choose who the Cowboys would face in the first round three weeks from now? Well, this is not based particularly on anything about the actual strength of the roster or anything, but I really would thoroughly enjoy seeing the Cowboys thump the Eagles for the third time in the season just to shut them up for a year, although I realize it would probably only be more like about 15 minutes before they start coming up with some ridiculous thing to throw back at us. But um, that's just an emotional reaction to me. However, let me say this. I don't, I'm not afraid of Jalen Hurts, especially not the way the defense is playing. He can get very mistake-prone. Um, and, you know, they're having, you know, they've got some, some holes up and down their roster right now. They're having injury problems this time of year and all that kind of stuff. So that's just, like I said, that's just, that's just kind of a personal thing. Now, the rest of them, I can kind of give you a little bit more of a competitive priority. Uh, New Orleans would be the next one because I just think they're such a hot mess right now. Uh, you know, who are they going to have at quarterback? Uh, Ian Book looked like absolute dog crap this, yeah, this past week. Taysom Hill doesn't scare you if he can get back on the field. You know, it's just like, what are they going to do? Um, and I, I just think they're just too short men. They could very much be a situation like it was against the Washington football team when they just almost didn't have a roster to put out there some, in some ways. Um Next up, I would put Atlanta. I, I think they've got a lot of uh, a lot of their own problems and stuff. Uh, and I think Matt Ryan is just, you know, I think he's getting close to where he needs to consider retirement. If he if it's he's not already there, I just I just don't think he's got got it left anymore. Uh, I know some people may disagree with Man. me and say it's about the roster around him, but. I kind of see him as almost getting into a, a situation like Andrew Luck, where what's the point in going out there and getting killed for a team that can't really do anything to, to help you? So that's just a little bit of thought there. Uh, next up would be Minnesota, just because if the Cowboys can beat them with Cooper, Cooper Rush at quarterback, then I've got all the confidence in the world that they can beat him with Dak Prescott. And then finally, it would be the San Francisco 49ers just because 
they're the biggest unknown. Cowboys have already beaten the other four, remember? Mm-hmm. The, the 49ers are the only one they haven't really faced. So just because they're an unknown, uh, you know, let them go lose a first-round uh, game to somebody else. Well, that's pretty much kind of how I would have it. Now, I wouldn't have Philadelphia as the one, again, from a competitive standpoint, because I think New Orleans is in such bad shape that if you got to play the Saints in the first round, that's damn near like having a bye. Um, (laughs) They look atrocious. They can't score 15 points in a game, and we know the Cowboys can do that with their defense in some games. (laughs) So – I would love to play the New Orleans Saints as the first team amongst those teams. And they got a decent shot of getting into the playoffs. Although, again, they're on the outside looking in as we speak. Atlanta would be my second easiest target because, again, the Cowboys thrashed them earlier this season. They don't have a lot of hope coming back. I'm sure Dan Quinn would be happy to go round two and just obliterate that offense with even more weapons to go against them this time around. Um, than he had when they faced him earlier this season. Those two automatic wins if the Cowboys match up against them in the playoffs. The next three, that's where I would slot in the Eagles there at number three because Jalen Hurts still does give me a little bit of a a fear factor in that he could pull something out of his you-know-what that makes you scared enough that that maybe they could do something. And I just – I don't love – a little bit of the Philly magic that does exist come playoff time. And you got to give that to them just based on their run and the players that they still have around. Like I, I would still feel confident about it and and I'd feel confident against all five of these teams, but I'd feel less so against the Eagles as I would against those first two teams I mentioned. And then that's where I also have Minnesota and San Fran. I actually flipped those two. I think Sam Fran's in a bit of a bad spot right now, and I just don't see them as being very formidable. Now, you could make the argument they're actually probably better than they were, even though Jimmy Garoppolo might be hurting. George Kittle looks fully back up to speed again, and Debo Samuel has been one of the elite talents in the NFL this season, although probably not getting the buzz that he should be. Uh, He has been absolutely phenomenal and a huge weapon for them, a big reason why they've – been able to get back into this race. And then finally, Minnesota, who, yes, I know Cooper Rush beat them in their home stadium. They had all those weapons that I mentioned in Jefferson and, and Thielen and Osborne and Cook. Um, and the Cowboys didn't run the ball well at all in that game. I think Tony Pollard only had about 50 yards. They may maybe had like 75 yards total as a team, but that was the game also, the last game, in fact, that the Cowboys had two 100-yard wide receiver games in both CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, who both produced 100-yard games against the Vikings. So that's how I would kind of break down those five there. Go ahead. Yeah, and and can I mention something? that Did you notice that you're predicating this all on Dallas not being the fourth seed who's going to have to face either uh, the Rams or the Cardinals? I am. And I'm Which predicating is, that on the fact that what you and I are going to ultimately predict about this game against the Arizona yeah. Cardinals. What a second. Yeah, and it's, it's – I would just uh, – just wanted to mention, in that a rather nice turnaround from just a few weeks ago where we felt that the Cowboys were just destined for the four seed, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. things change rapidly in the NFL. And let's just hope that for the Cowboys, they don't change from the course they're on, which segue into your next point. (laughs) So the Cowboys taking on the Cardinals this weekend, this was, you know, it's funny that I consider this to be a little bit of a rivalry um, just because of, of the history of these two teams and the times in which the Cardinals had beat the Cowboys in seasons where they were severely, you know, underdogs against them. Um, gosh, I mean, I remember the overtime game a couple years back when, you know, we thought for sure the Cowboys were going to stomp them and they wound up getting two touchdowns from, uh, their running back at the time. I can't remember what his name was, but they, they won the game on a, a rushing touchdown in overtime. And I remember just thinking, God, we were so much better than this team. 
I think they're better than this team now. And I think they do ultimately win this game fairly comfortably. I have them winning 33 to 21 Cowboys victory over the Arizona Cardinals. And Kyler Murray still somewhat struggling to find a reliable receiver without DeAndre Hopkins, who they hope is going to at least be available come playoff time for them. I'm, I'm going to be very optimistic because I think the Cowboys figured it out on offense. I think the defense is feeling its oats and ready to rumble for a while. I think that what the Cowboys are going to do is establish that the, the beatdown of, of Washington was not a fluke. I think they're going to put up another 40-burger and come out with like a 41-17 win. Uh, I just am feeling a lot of confidence. Hope I don't get let down, but I really think the Cowboys are going to come out and put the NFL on notice that they are the team you don't want to see coming in the playoffs. Well, boy, that would make all of us feel a lot more comfortable uh, that the Cowboys are that team that other teams don't want to see. They certainly look like the hottest team in the NFC that teams don't want to see uh, maybe in, in the AFC, they wouldn't necessarily be that considering the Miami dolphins have won seven straight. Although I don't necessarily think they're a team that teams are shaking in their boots to play the Cowboys, however, and what that defense is doing, I think they are making some waves and I think they are a team that other teams are nervous about seeing in the playoffs and boy, what a great spot that is to be in, Tom, because I can't remember a time when we went into the cow when we went into the playoffs with the Cowboys over the last decade and a half thinking this defense could win them a game on their own. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, the confidence that Dan Quinn, Micah Parsons and company have given us. So thank you for that, Dallas Cowboys. Thank you for what you've given us here in 2021, as this is the final episode of the 2021 calendar year any new year's resolutions for the cowboys tom as i'm springing this on you before we conclude the pod just don't look back follow dalton schultz's advice yes don't do any stupid s especially (laughs) during new year's eve and especially anything that might get you involved for any reason in the NFL's COVID protocol, because that's the last thing I think Cowboys fans want to see. And that's the thing that hell every team in the league right now is biting their fingernails over and somewhat nervous about. So with that, it's another episode of riled up on the Cowboys in the books. Catch us every Thursday on the blog and the boys podcast network. You can follow him at Tom Ryle BTB. You can follow me at RW three. And of course, share us, share with us your thoughts. Got a nickname for the Cowboys defense? I'd love to hear it. Got a couple of spirit animals you want to throw our way? Love to hear it. Your rankings of the opponents you'd prefer to see? I'm all for it. But with that being said, we out of this piece. Stay riled up on the Cowboys and stay following Blogging the Boys for all of your Cowboys coverage. See ya. Boom. Boom.